When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayland. So I was giving my sewing room a deeper clean the other day and was going through the stash of things I have under my cutting table. Uh, Now, I use my cutting table to hide a lot of things. I have uh, batting, extra cutting mats, pillow forms, all of my scraps and, you know, other random things hidden under there. Uh, And I also have my large collection of solid fabrics. And I hide them under there because I am really not a solid fabric person. So I rarely use solids in my quilts, but I own an incredible amount of them. When I first started quilting, I was drawn to all the colors of the rainbow. And my impulse purchases were always solids and any colors I loved. Um, I I really thought I would be using solids all the times in my quilts, um, but it turns out that I'm more of a print person. And uh, over the years, I've made probably a total of three mini quilts that are mostly solids. I've never made an all solid quilt before. Um, But like I said, I probably own honestly 20 to 30 yards of solid fabrics. So I would love to explore solids more in my quilts. I asked some quilters to share some of their best advice about working with solids. And I hope their advice helps me feel less intimidated about working with solids and maybe help any listeners out there learn a little bit more about working with these fabrics. The first thing to know, all solids are not created equal. So just like prints, the grayish goods, you know, those unbleached, the undyed fabrics uh, used to make solid fabrics can vary widely in quality, weave, and feel. So fabrics with a loose weave may tend to fray, uh, and those that are woven with heavier threads may affect the accuracy of your seam allowances because they're thicker. So an easy way to have a consistent result is to find a fabric manufacturer whose solids you love um, and use fabrics from just that company in a quilt. I've definitely noticed this with my solids. Um, I can tell some are really high quality and feel really nice to the touch. They're really easy to sew with. Um, Whereas like others feel really stiff, rough, or some are even like a little shiny or see-through. So especially that cheaper fabric I was buying when I was first starting quilting, I can tell that fabric isn't always the highest quality. So don't be afraid to touch the fabric as you're buying it to make sure it feels good to you and it's something you want to work with in your quilt. One of the reasons I think I find solid fabrics so intimidating is because there's no pattern, print, or kind of texture to hide behind. So my color choices have to be spot on to get a nice overall effect. That means it's really important to consider light, medium, and dark in your designs to really provide that contrast and movement that prints might normally help you with. 
My favorite trick for making sure I have a variety of hues in my quilt is to take a picture of my chosen fabrics and turn that picture to black and white. Then you can easily see if you have enough light, medium, and dark fabrics. So when it comes to choosing solid fabrics for a quilt, find an inspiration palette first. There are so, so many colors of solid fabrics, like so many shades of every single color. So having an inspiration photo can help narrow down to some favorite colors, and then you can mix and match from there. Many solids also don't say the fabric name or color on the selvage like prints sometimes do. So I've heard from many quilters who say that they write the color name and brand on the selvage themselves with a permanent marker so they know what it is if they have to order more. I think this is really helpful. Uh, I was making a quilt once that had a solid white background and I ran out of the white and I had to order more and I ordered the wrong color. Uh, they both looked very similar on the bolts, but when I pieced that new fabric into the quilt, it looked different. So keeping track of your colors is important. Many fabric companies offer color cards of their solids, so you can be sure of the printed colors of the solids as opposed to what you may see on a computer screen if you're ordering online. Uh, and sometimes the same color can look different if they're from different dye lots. So it's really best to order everything you need from a project all at once to make sure you have the exact same color for that whole project. Another thing to know, most solids have no right or wrong side. And this is great for a lot of reasons because it can take some of the extra thought process needed when cutting and sewing just out of the equation. Uh, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've sewn fabrics wrong sides together or backwards because I wasn't paying close enough attention. But where solid fabrics can cause some trouble is if your pieces aren't symmetrical. So for instance, with applique pieces or templates, triangles, other shapes that aren't just normal square and rectangle shapes. So in that case, you might want to somehow mark the right or wrong side so you know which way the shapes are supposed to be pieced. So you can use like a small piece of masking tape on the right side of your pieces or use a water-soluble marker to mark a little line on the wrong side of fabrics. Then when it comes to pressing solids, some solid fabrics are mo more prone to developing a shine when they're pressed with an iron. So I have noticed this before with darker fabrics, especially like blues, blacks, and reds. Um, so test a small scrap uh, with your iron. And if it looks shiny, consider using like a pressing cloth to make sure that your, uh, you know, your iron isn't making it shiny and make sure your iron isn't on like all the way hot. You can do like a medium heat to help with that problem. And one more thing to remember when working with solids. Solid fabrics allow the form of a quilt to really stand out. When there are no images or motifs in the fabric to distract, the piecing and or the applique really takes center stage. So make sure your piecing is accurate and you check that quarter inch seam allowance and that you seam rip when needed. When using solid fabrics in a quilt, the quilting is also especially visible, which can be a great thing or a bad thing. 
you know, if you're a pro at quilting or maybe you work with a really great long arm quilter, solid fabric quilts allow your quilting to take center stage. So if you'd like, you can get really fancy. But if you're unsure about your quilting, you can camouflage it by using a thread that matches the fabric exactly. Uh, that way your quilting blends in with the fabrics rather than stands out. And for those quilters out there who are not sold on solids, I understand. Uh, I'm still there with you, but I have a few ideas of how I can start to incorporate some more solids into my quilts so I can start making a dent in that stash. So you can use solids for block backgrounds, sashing, or even borders. Um, I like to use low volume or tone on tone for my backgrounds usually, uh, but solids can help your prints and your blocks really stand out when you're using them in the background. I like to use solid borders or sashing when I'm making a really scrappy quilt. Uh, sometimes scrappy quilts can feel busy or overwhelming, so that little bit of solid fabric allows your eyes a place to rest, and it just accentuates the scraps in the quilt. So if you're itching to try a solid quilt, we have a lot of free patterns on our website, so I will link to them in our show notes. It's time for a quick ad break, but when we get back, we're sharing some products we love. Welcome back. Now it's time for a new segment this year called Quilty High Five. If you listened to last season, you'll remember we had a segment called Quilting Mistakes I Made This Month, where we brought up lessons we learned in our sewing room and kind of showed that no one is perfect. Uh, but we also think it's important to celebrate both big and small wins in our sewing room too. So this year we're giving ourselves quilty high fives. So the high five I'm giving myself recently is going with the flow on a project. So I am a very much a person who likes to have a plan. Uh, once I pick colors, fabrics, you know, a pattern layout, I rarely change my mind. I will sew that quilt with my original plan and however it turns out is how it turns out. So once I set course on a project, I am, I'm plowing straight ahead on it and will usually not alter a thing. But I'm working on a mystery sampler quilt right now. It's our American Patchwork and Quilting one, which is free. So I, I do hope you'll join in and I'll post a link in our show notes for it. And even though I am, I am the one who's writing the pattern, <laughs> so I know exactly how that final quilt looks. I am still sewing along on the same schedule as everyone else and picking fabrics as I go. That's the fun part of a mystery quilt, you know, so I'm, I'm embracing that and I'm not planning ahead. And in anticipation of this, I chose way more fabrics than I needed for this quilt because I wanted a variety to play with. I wanted extra in case I needed to remake any blocks. Um, and I have absolutely remade blocks and I've changed my original plan, which is very exciting and freeing for me. So there are currently 10 blocks out in this sampler quilt. And of those 10 blocks, I have remade four of them. And I've done that for various reasons. Uh, there was a few where I just did not like the color combinations in the block that I made. Um, and one of those blocks, I used a fabric that had much too large of a print. And I just didn't like the final look of the block. And because there's only 
two or three blocks posted each month, I have time to redo things and play around. So I I feel no pressure or guilt in doing so. And I know that once we get to the end and we're putting all these blocks together, I'll probably redo others to help balance the quilt's colors or contrast. uh, And that's okay with me. Um, I do have to say I'm saving the extra blocks um, and I plan to add them to the back of the quilt. So they're not going to waste. Um, But as someone who usually doesn't allow myself to change a plan, I'm really liking this extra freedom I gave myself with this project. So quilty high five for me. I love giving quilty high fives, so please brag about yourself in an email to me. Uh, I'd love to hear what you're proud of, so reach out at apqpodcast at meredith.com. I will link to that in the show notes. Now it's time for products we love. So the first product I want to talk about is called the Maker's Train Case from Della Q. So this carrying case is measures 12 by six by five, and it comes in a variety of fun colors. And it also has either a crossbody strap um, and handles so that you can customize how you want to carry it along with you. The case comes with a removable tray to hold smaller supplies, or you can leave it out of the case completely if you need to fit a lot of larger items. And the great part about this case is the lid is magnetic. So you can keep pins, needles, small snips, and more magnetic things handy. Um, And you can even add magnets to hold, you know, like a pattern in place or something that's not necessarily magnetic. Um, And then when you pop the lid open, everything is right there and handy. So you don't have all those like teeny tiny tools lost at the bottom of the case. The case also has small thread feeders on both sides. So you can pull a length of thread through the hole if you're doing hand sewing on the go and you don't want to unpack the case. This case is actually meant for more yarn crafts. Um, So the case does come with things like stitch markers, a darning needle, um, like a small journal for planning. But I think it's so amazing for on the go sewing or taking to a retreat. Uh, And Another great part of the case is it's hard on the outside, so nothing inside will get damaged, even if it gets knocked around a little while traveling. Another fun product that's perfect for organizing handwork is the bobbin floss rack from Modern Hoopla. This round wooden holder stores up to 12 colors of embroidery floss, so you can keep embroidery floss for a current project just at the ready. The holder can easily be transported, and the design looks really beautiful on your work surface. It it seriously looks like a work of art to me when it's filled with thread. And the holders, uh, they fit standard DMC bobbins. Those are sold separately, but those are pretty standard. So that's the size they fit. And I have to say, we did um, post this product on our Instagram page a few weeks ago, and so many people were saying that they've never went and bought a product faster And I think once you see this product, you'll be like, how have I lived without this my whole life? It's so beautiful and handy. So another product that looks just great on your workspace is the Otlight Swirl Organizer. This lamp has three brightness levels. It has a USB port for charging phones or tablets, and it has a removable storage insert that can keep your most used tools handy. So this insert fits at the base of the lamp, 
so you can keep all your items contained, but then it um, you can take it out and carry it on the go. So you can carry your tools to your sewing machine or your cutting table if you need to. Uh, the lamp also has an adjustable neck so you can direct light where you need it. And um, they say that their LED light uh, reduces eye strain by up to 50%. Now, if you love sneaky storage, <laughs> this So Daisy by Laundry Basket Quilts is great. So it is this flower-shaped accessory that snaps to the bottom and top of orophil thread spools to hold needles and pins securely in that center tube. So you can use these when you're carrying items to a retreat or you bring handwork on the go. Um, they only work with orophil thread spools though. So don't buy them if you don't own that type of thread, but they're very cute. And I love that you can just keep needles secure while you're traveling. Sometimes you just need an item because it is cute <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Fig Tree & Co. has this double-sided five by seven cutting mat that's green on one side and peach on the other. These small mats can be useful. You know, you can sit them next to your machine so you can quickly trim small units or you can pack it up for your next retreat. But uh, mostly I think it would be cute for your social media photos, you know. Uh, five by seven is pretty small, but those two colors are just so like beautiful in photos. So that's, that's what I think I would use it for. Uh, and lastly, I, I love the woven labels from Kylie and the machine. It's just a fun way to add a personal touch to projects or quilted gifts. She has a really large variety of labels with fun sayings. Uh, but some of my favorites are, you can't buy this perfectly imperfect. Yes, I made it, and my best work yet. And she also has some that have the year on it or washing instructions or just hearts, so there is a variety. And then you can simply sew these labels into the bindings seam allowance on the back of your quilt to attach them. So I will link to all of these products in the show notes so that you can check them out more. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're talking about quilty travel and sharing a trend we're seeing right now. Welcome back. We have another new segment we're debuting today called Hit the Road. So we'll feature a variety of tips for incorporating quilting into your travels throughout the year. And today I want to talk about visiting quilt shops while you're traveling. It is so fun to visit quilt shops outside your city, uh, whether you're just going 100 miles away or, you know, 2,000 miles away. And each quilt shop really has a unique mix of fabric, patterns, and notions. And they represent the area of the country they're in as well as their customers. So what you find at a quilt shop in a different state may be very different than what you're used to seeing at your own local quilt shop. Now, a few tips on finding great shops while you're traveling. You can do a simple Google search for quilt shops in the city or area you'll be in. So if your travel itiner itinerary is really rigid, your search may be like quilt shops in Columbus, Ohio. And then you can find one close to the highway. If you have some time to kill while you're traveling or you haven't booked any hotels or planned your route yet, your search may look more like quilt shops in Colorado, and then you can adjust your route to ones you really want to visit. 
if you're looking for quilt shops our staff loves, uh, we actually have a free download on our website that lists every single quilt store that has been featured in our quilt sampler magazine. And we've organized them by state. So that may jumpstart your search. And you'll know that the shops have been highlighted by our staff as ones we love. So we'll link to that resource in the show notes. Once you found a shop you'd like to visit, check their website and social media accounts to make sure they're still open. Uh, quilt shops, unfortunately, can close really quickly. Um, many times they'll post about it on their website or social media sites at that has happened, but that's not always the case. So if you're going out of your way to visit one, uh, it doesn't hurt to call the shop and just verify they're open. And the same thing goes for their hours, uh, especially if the shops are short-staffed or maybe they have seasonal hours. The website may not always list the most accurate days and times the store is open. So it's always good to double check, especially if you only have an hour to spare on your drive through once you're in the store, take a lap and really pay attention to what stands out in the store. This will help clue you in on what they're known for and specialize in. For instance, do they have a large section of batik fabrics or maybe reproduction fabrics? Do they have a section devoted to one designer, in which case that designer may be local to that quilt shop? Do they highlight a charity or an organization they donate to? Do they have lots of wool, yarn, or embroidery supplies? Maybe they have a special section of fabrics, kits, or panels that showcase the area they're in, such as a national park or, you know, the ocean. Think about how this shop differs from the ones you find in your area. Sometimes it's just fun to look, but if you are buying... Don't always fall back into your own personal tastes. You can buy that at your own local quilt shop. Buy something that feels special, you know, that reminds you of the trip or that feels really personal to that area. If it's something really outside your comfort zone, you don't have to buy a lot of it. Even just a fat quarter feels like a little treat. And I promise when you eventually use that fabric in a project, it will bring back just the best memories. Also, remember that quilt shop owners are so knowledgeable about the community. So if you're spending time in the area, ask them about the best places to eat, uh, fun stores to shop at, outdoor activities, and more. Uh, you'll get an opinion from someone with insider info, and that is so helpful while traveling. Okay, I'm handing the mic over to Beth now for what's trending. Take it away, Beth. Hi, I'm Beth, and I wanted to chat about a trend we've been noticing lately. Quilts made with squares seem to be having a moment. There are several quilts making the rounds on Instagram made from this anything but basic shape. The first one we've been seeing a lot is the Tilda Fabrics Embroidery Flower Quilt. If you love the pixelated look of cross stitch, you'll love this quilt. For this design, more than 2,000 squares come together to create a pixelated bunch of flowers. By using just two inch squares, it's an easy quilt to cut and sew, although there's a lot of seam matching. For the background, individual squares are used rather than strips to continue the appearance of an embroidery design. This quilt uses more than 40 different colors, so it's a great pull from your scrap bag project. Find the free pattern on the Tilda Fabrics website, tildasworld.com, or search embroidery flower quilt and you'll find the free pattern 
as well as kits if you want to make it exactly as shown. And speaking of cross-stitch designs, they're actually really easy to turn into a quilt if you're looking for something specific and are not finding it in an actual quilt pattern. Since cross-stitch is set up on a grid, you can use a pattern to lay out your quilt top. Just make a square for each X stitch to replicate the design. The size of your square will determine how large the pattern ends up, so it's always good to test this before starting. We find this works really well for something like Marvel superheroes or cartoons. Searching online for pixel art or pixel quilt plus the item you're looking for sometimes works too. The next quilt we've been seeing a lot is the Ruby Star Society Perfect Picnic Quilt. Gingham and buffalo plaid patterns are showing up in clothing, home decor, and quilts, so this is the perfect trendy quilt to make this summer. The sew along started on Instagram recently, so there's still time to join the fun. Bonus, you can see multiple colorways before you pick your fabric. Careful placement of the 10 medium shade fat quarters, one light and one dark fabric create the gingham look. And using five inch squares means it's also pre-cut friendly. The free pattern is available on the Ruby Star website, which is rubystarsociety.com, and you can follow along on Instagram at rubystarsociety. If you're teaching someone to sew this summer, simple square quilts are great for beginners and kids. Several of us on staff made the easiest quilt ever pattern as our first quilt. It's really amazing the different looks you can create just by playing with the layout of the squares. Search easiest quilt ever on allpeoplequilt.com to see all the variations we've made. There are more than 40 combinations to inspire you. This quilt is constructed with 36 10 inch squares. You can use pre-cut squares to make it super simple to make with kids, no cutting needed. And it can help introduce the concept of contrast and color placement for beginners too. If you are going to make a quilt with squares, here's a tool to try. I love a smaller square ruler when working with squares. I personally find it easier to cut with a square rather than a large rectangle ruler. The 90 degree markings are really helpful for lining up and making sure you get a perfectly cut square. I like a six and a half inch square ruler and find this to be a really versatile size. I also like to use it for marking diagonal lines when I'm making half square triangles as well. So if you don't have a smaller square ruler, I highly recommend investing in one. There are so many great options for quilt designs that just use squares. This simple shape is easy to cut and sew, but can be laid out in so many different ways. You can create plaids, ginghams, pixel art, and more with just this one shape. Try this trend for your next quilt project. Thanks, Beth. We'll link to all the patterns she mentioned in our show notes so that you can check them out. Uh, I love that perfect picnic quilt too, so this, this inspires me to make a plan to do it. And that's it for today's show. But before we leave, I just wanted to remind you, uh, if you want to participate in our upcoming podcast called Unpopular Quilty Opinions Part 2, uh, please email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Uh, the more opinions we have, whether they're very serious or more funny opinions, uh, the more fun the episode is going to be. So I hope to hear from you. Everyone have a really great week.